Hey, everyone. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Thursday. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky. Andy, how the hell did the Lakers get from championship to this, <laughs> you know, this thing that we're going through now? Nobody better to explain it than Eric Pincus of Bleacher Report, who's written a fantastic piece uh, about that path. He is our guest. We'll get to him next. You are Locked on Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked On Lakers your first listen of every day, Monday through Fridays, and sometimes on weekends. We get this thing up for you as fast as we possibly can. If you subscribe to the Locked On Lakers YouTube channel, you get early access to the podcast. Plus, you can see us, which is uh, adds so much more to the experience. Um, mm -hmm. Make another Locked On podcast your second listen of every day. But let's get right to it, Andy. Our guest today is one of the smartest guys out there, a great writer for Bleacher Report, and as you can see behind him, a, a professor uh, at the <laughs> Sports Business Classroom. And by the way, if you're interested in signing up for that thing, you got till the end of today to get to the, the early bird rate uh, for summer classes. Correct, Eric? Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. And so he is Eric Pincus. Uh, he has a feature... Uh, out on Bleacher Report, it's called "How L How the LA Lakers Mismanage Their Way from Champs to Chumps." It's essentially uh, an autopsy, is what it yes. really is, <laughs> and, and well, it is very post mortem thorough, very for a well patient that is technically not dead yet, but yes, nearly probably dead. should be. Well, you know, um, you know how this stuff works to let people uh, behind the curtain because the three of us are in media. Whenever famous people are on the verge of dying or, you know, you have mm -hmm. to prepare for it, they write the <laughs> autopsy ahead of time. The Lakers are not yet dead for obituary. this season. <laughs> right. The, the obituary. Right. Yeah, they write, <laughs> excuse me, not the autopsy, the obituary. In this case, basically the same thing. Uh -huh. Eric wrote his obituary ahead of time, but uh, unlike these other publications, didn't wait for the famous person to actually die. He just published it ahead of time. But the, nor, no did, nor did he choose to say nice things or not speak ill. <laughs> of the dead um so all right let's let's get to it because you know eric, for people who know eric's work um he is not a hot take guy uh yeah i think you're you know you're pretty careful about how you write things and how you say things and to say the least uh i think it is fair to say that this story that you have here about the lakers you know has a lot of stark realities and stark criticisms about the the path the Lakers have taken to get here, and we're going to dive into a lot of the details about Russell Westbrook and some of the the contracts that they've signed, and you know with THT and Austin Reeves and and other choices that they've made around uh, players that they've had. But I, I want to ask you first about the 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 importance of looking at things in the way that you've taken in this story. How important is it to kind of view? transactions and 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 time holistically you know over time in the way that one thing can impact another thing can impact another thing when you think about uh the way that a franchise operates from a personnel standpoint well for sure i mean um one example is the phoenix suns and and i if you looked at the moves they made the year they got cam johnson 
they didn't make sense on paper. And you looked at each individual transaction and you're like, you traded away TJ Warren and basically paid for him to go away. And he became like the star in the bubble for Indiana. It's like, why would you pay to have a good player go away? And you look at all the other moves they made. They traded up to get Cam Johnson, who a lot of people had maybe at best mid to late first round. And they, they went and really, they got the guy they wanted. But I mean, people were kind of laughing like, oh, they don't know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. And then they got Rubio and they went to the bubble and went undefeated. And then they upgraded from Rubio to Chris Paul. But if you looked at the whole of their transactions of that summer, you see like the individual moves were not great, but the whole collective Mm. of moves they put together set them up for what was really impressive. And this was my analysis before they, they went to the finals. I'm like, I get what they did. I didn't get it as it was happening. But when I looked at it from like, you know, that, as you said, holistic kind of point of view. It, it, the opposite, unfortunately, for the Lakers, if you look at at the little moves that they've made along the way and then the big moves, it's not really adding up in a way that works. And, and it's easy to get blinded by they want a championship because they did. And so I don't want to say, like, they have failed in the last five years. And I sort of had to push back on the headline a little bit. Uh, writers don't write the headline. The editors write no, the headline. But, but chumps is a great word. And so this I'm, was I'm better. Headline this was better. This was better. This was, this is a nicer headline than what they had originally did. I pushed back a little bit on this. Just um, before we this even was not, get, wait, this was nicer. This was wow. a nicer one. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, like, like you said before, Brian, Eric is not a hot take guy. Therefore he's going to try to go for the least hot takey version of the headline that still drives home what this thing is actually about. But before we start getting into the specifics of the piece, though, I thought it was interesting when you were talking about Cam Johnson and stuff like that and and that bigger picture and things that may not totally make sense in the moment but could make sense to the people who have that longer-term vision and they're in the room knowing what's happening. How much, if at all, do you think the Lakers get put at a potential disadvantage because they are always in such extreme win now mode. Hmm. And, and like the idea that everything is always about the championship season that they are always declaring themselves in. Right. Well, it, it's it's hard to I mean, LeBron James is arguably the best player of all time. We could put him number one, we could put him number three, number five, wherever you place him on the all-time list, he's among those greats. But it is hard to build a championship team for a long period of time around LeBron. And you saw it's it's kind of LeBron fatigue for the Cavs the first time around, the Heat, the Cavs the second time around, and now the Lakers. There's this constant pressure to build, build, build. you got to win right now. It's not about get rid of all the kids, get rid of all the picks. You're getting older players who are more ready to win because typically younger players have the athleticism and and the youth but they don't have the experience and and winning ultimately at the highest level statistically the older teams win more so than the younger if you just look at every year's championship age age is you know it, it's a it's an asset to an extent but players start to fall off and you, it's hard to maintain that you have to constantly refresh that and i think when you look at what happened with the ad trade which was a win for the lakers because it led to a championship but the the pressure that the lakers were under to land ad was immense from the lebron side of the coin so much so that david griffin who is running the pelicans who is running the pelicans who ran the Cavs with LeBron James, right? So he 
firsthand knowledge of how hard it is. He fully understand the kind of pressure. So I could say at the time, like, who else? Who were the Lakers bidding against when they got AD? The answer is no one. They were there was they had made it clear to the Celtics to all the other teams, the Knicks, whoever that he was not going there. He was going to go to the Lakers, and yet Griffin was able to draw out a ton of assets from the Lakers more so than at, at the time that was outrageous what the Lakers paid. Now that actually set the market. And so now James Harden and other guys, when they get traded, they get, you know, those, that's the price. Now the price has been set by David Griffin and, and, and Rob Palinka in the, in the deal for AD, but it really was uh, uh, the Lakers overpaid at the time. And so, you know, you, there, there's this pressure that exists and I get that. It's hard to say no when LeBron wants Russell Westbrook, but your job is to do the right thing for the organization, mm -hmm. not what's right for LeBron. Getting that done takes a strong personality. Not to say that Rob Pelinka doesn't have a strong personality, but he clearly didn't set a boundary here. <laughs> May have gotten and, a role. But yeah. let me let me let's because I mean, for that matter too. Yeah. Just really quick, you know, yeah. Genie Bus needs to have a strong personality as well too, as the person to, ultimately yes. overseeing everything. And anybody who is in any type of you know, true leadership position or position of authority, whether you're talking about Jeannie, Rob Palinka, Linda Rambus, Kurt Rambus, whatever. Like these are the people that are in that position. All of them mm -hmm. have to have some degree of fortitude. Yeah. Right. And they all are to blame all everyone. Like yeah. you, someone needs to say, this isn't the right move. And it's, it's, it's assuming they say, thought that. <laughs> right. Right. But, and, and to, I'm but not, to, I'm not convinced you, they did. Yeah. Well, no, no, they, they agreed with the move, but if they didn't agree, like they didn't yeah. agree with John getting John Wall for for Russell Westbrook and giving up future considerations. <laughs> and I wrote on on pressure that they were under as well, even though you know Rich Paul denied it. Uh, my understanding is that you know, there was a tremendous pressure to make that move because John Wall is a clutch client, et cetera, et cetera. So they said no, they drew the line there, but they just drew the line at the wrong time. Which should have been drawn over the commendable. Summer. Glad they did. Yeah. Last thing before we, we we take the take a break. The when you talk, we'll get into a lot of the specifics, and and I, I have a, a ton of questions about the, the structure of of LA's front office and how much that impacts all of this. When you talk about the interconnectedness of transactions and the way that that these things are all related, and you you know you went through in detail the the AD trade and the context around it, is that sort of the 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 origin spot of the the way the the place the lakers are in or does it extend further back even from that to things they might have done even before lebron arrived in the ad trade happened right i mean they they weren't doing their due diligence throughout where the goal is to always increase your your pool of assets and and so when i talk about players i don't like to call them assets but if you're talking about trading a player now you're treating them like a commodity and you're trading them so the i i value them as individuals so don't take offense if i call them you know assets in this situation but you look at like the clippers like they got luke Kennard, whether you like him or not he's helped them but they also got like four second round picks in that deal like their moves that they've made have continually added to their their asset bucket of things that they can do so that when there's an opportunity to make a trade like for them getting norm powell for almost nothing was easy they've been constantly and, and i know laker fans say well, what do the clippers want they haven't won anything yet so i'm not going to sit here and say the like this is not clippers better than lakers Lakers better. there's nothing to do with it i'm just saying as far as transactions you should be trying to do the best you can to make sure you have the most especially when you've traded so much away 
to get AD. Like you should be more diligent about your assets. Uh, but I mean, we yeah, we could talk about Zubat. I, I was watching Zubat's play the other day. I mean, he he was traded for Mike Muscala, and Muscala didn't stick. And there's all these little detail I have in the article of like, you know, the whole carousel of getting Mark Gasol. Uh, like you traded a second to get him, and the same season you traded a second mm -hmm. to get rid of him, and you traded Javale McGee, who's on the Suns right now and helping them. So it's like it, I could go further back. And in fact, my article was like another thousand words in draft form. Like I had to cut a lot. I, I would, I, mean, I would be seriously. more than happy to read the director's cut of that of that story, no <laughs> yeah, question. But I just seriously, is, send it to us. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm I, really, I, I we've been friends a long I promise time. Eric. We, won't, we won't say anything about it. Um, <laughs> I'm but dying. Like, I, I think the point that you're making about both making questionable decisions on the front end of something, but then not getting value on the back end of it um, as well, where it kind of costs you double is, is critical here. Um, let's dive into the specifics of the story um, from Russell Westbrook to THT to the structure of the front office uh, and things like that. Uh, we'll get into that. This is one of those things too. If you're listening with small children uh, who may not be, you know, uh, are easily upset, you might want to just, Send them out of the room for the next 25 minutes or so. Uh, but we'll get to all this next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Top Shot. NBA Top Shot is the officially licensed NFT of the NBA. It connects you with passionate community of NBA fans across the globe and allows you to build a collection with your favorite moments from NBA history. It is the future of what an NBA fan looks like. It's part trading cards, part stock market, part fantasy sports with a built-in loyalty program. NBA Top Shot has evolved. Trading cards made it easier to buy, sell, and trade by removing the hassle of card grading, card grading shoe boxes, binders, all that stuff. It's a 24-7 peer-to-peer marketplace allowing you to scroll through all your favorite players and teams. And once you find the moments you've been looking for, you can find it in a few clicks. But look, People are going to ask, why would I buy something that I could just watch on YouTube free? Because it's about having ownership in the stock market of NBA's greatest moments, unbuyable, once-in-a-lifetime experiences as well. For example, last year, Top Shot flew a group of fans to Phoenix for Game 5 of the NBA Finals just for having Phoenix Suns moments in their collections. And then the following week, Top Shot flew out a group of fans to New York for the NBA draft, and these collectors got to have dinner with four future first-round picks the night before they were drafted. Like, you could see their life changing and be a part of that. And then play basketball with the Knicks, uh, Knicks' Obi Toppin, his uh, first-round selection. So... Great stuff at Top Shot today. The best way to get yourself started is with a starter pack. You can pull a moment of a superstar like LeBron or KD or a star rookie like Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, just for nine bucks. So head over to lockedon.nbatopshot.com. Start building your collection today. The NFTs, though, I want really are the ones from the sports business classroom of Eric Pincus and Larry Kuhn just breaking down the salary cap. Like, I want a digital collectible keepsake of that is that something i could get eric um, like with the early I'm bird sure thing that could, you mentioned you know, <laughs> you know? I'm sure we could work that out i mean it, the the main thing that uh if you're looking for a job in basketball and of course you gentlemen are are it, it, you're well situated but if you're looking to work for a team or an agent or whatever uh that's where we specialize we really get people jobs we've got uh people placed with the nets with the celtics and we actually have two of our former students run 
G League teams. They're actually GMs. Oh, wow. Of G League teams. So it's it's very, very, it's a great program. And if you're going to do it, do it before the end of the month, which is basically today, uh, just to get a discount. So, I mean, if you're going to do it, do it today. That's all. Um, you'll see. And the money. cool thing, if you actually, if you ever get to meet Eric in person, he actually is surrounded like the beautiful mind meme by formulas <laughs> and numbers. They actually do travel around his head. Um, <laughs> you mentioned the Russell Westbrook uh trade it, it kind of leads the story as, as in the list of things it is do you see that as the kind of the 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 culmination of the, of the sort of the series of mistakes that they made or is it its own mistake or is it kind of both um it, it's kind of it's it's a bit of everything you know i mean it's mm -hmm. like player val it shows their weaknesses in player evaluation uh money management where how many teams have a healthy season where everybody's healthy all year? It's basically it doesn't happen. I mean, it does, but almost never. You, you're usually going to have at least a few significant injuries. Hopefully, you don't lose players for the whole season. But you're going to lose LeBron for a period of time at his age. Uh, AD, you're going to maybe you'll get him for 60, 70 games if you're lucky. I mean, that's just kind of his track record. And uh, I mean, you, you, if you build a team where you put 44 million dollars into one player there's a limited amount of resources that teams have once you get into those luxury tax areas it gets cost prohibitive and even for the richest of teams uh and i'm so i'm not saying that the lakers went cheap or that they, they they're spending a lot they're one of the higher payrolls this year but they put all of that into one guy and so wouldn't in my mind i'd rather have two stars in lebron and ad and maybe four guys at 11 million than a third star who's one guy at 44 and then you have the player of Val that he doesn't really fit anyway like I've talked to people like with the Thunder who love Russell Westbrook but they acknowledge like the last couple of years it was like he plays like middle school defense and that's like that's coming from someone who thinks highly of Russ who has like he'll probably probably have his whatever his jersey I don't know he, he, that's like he'll go down as like the Thunder right yeah it, it, it it's, it's sure. one of those things yeah, and, and Russ has had a great career, and I don't want to denigrate Russ, but, like, he's a ball – he, he needs the ball. He's a high-usage guard. And LeBron, yes, you want to – like, when we had Rondo in the – when we saw Rondo in the bubble um, helping just orchestrate the offense so that LeBron didn't have to do everything, you saw, like, the value of getting LeBron off the ball situationally right like there are like for 15 minutes you might need to get him off the ball because the other team is doing what they do to Steph or what they do to other guys where they just get the ball out of his hands or just clog the paint so much that LeBron has nowhere to drive you get him off the ball and that changes things so I get mm -hmm. the idea of Russell Westbrook but like get a a, a five million dollar version of that or a ten, you know like they even had the right idea in bringing back Rondo the problem is Rondo is is older right at this point you needed a younger rondo so and then you know there's all these little details like the tht signing and things that have culminated mm -hmm. as such that they couldn't keep an alex caruso because based on their evaluation of him which again they well, didn't value him they, high they, enough they could have they chose not they, to right i mean it's, right. it's important to make sure people know right. that like they were not and we're we, we have we have questions about that <laughs> it would have been easier worry. for them to keep caruso if they weren't mm -hmm. paying tht nine and a half million dollars instead of the 1.8 that terrence mann is getting that daniel gafford's getting who are drafted in the same class who were signed to proper contracts when they signed so that goes to your your question of is this the culmination it absolutely is it's a, it's a combination of things it went, it went, 
sorry, but like when you mentioned it in the story, you talk about them giving up Kuzma and KCP and Harrell and, and, and all of the, a lot of these other assets, Caruso going out the door in a star driven league, when it comes to roster construction and roster management, how important is the middle class of, of your roster? The guys like Kuzma, KCP, uh, Alex Caruso and stuff like that. When you think about the, the way rosters are put together, how important is that sort of middle class of dudes? Well, I mean, they have to be somewhat replaceable to an extent because you're not going to be able to keep everybody throughout an entire run because as guys blow up and, and start to climb out of that, like as you said, as you put it, like middle class, they become closer to 20 million, they become more expensive. Mm -hmm. Then it's there are times to make decisions. But when we, if you think about like the Shaq, Kobe era and, and you think about like well like Robert Ory hit that that you know the big shot and Fisher and you think of um like Steve Kerr as a player next to Michael Jordan or Paxson and guys like that who weren't the the top guys uh but hit huge moment shots that are the reason why those deals were sealed you know and so that that's kind of um underrated I think uh based on on what they've done in the front office of the Lakers, I'm projecting. I can only project based on what they've done. They haven't shown that they value those kind of players. Like Kuzma is a really valuable guy. Yes, he's always going to be limited as a Laker and not able to fully flourish into a, a primary scorer. And he's always going to have to play off of AD and LeBron. So maybe he'll leave you wanting because he can score 30 in a game, but he's only scoring 12. But you're not seeing that like when he came in, he couldn't defend. He was all bouncy and had bad footwork. And by the time he got to the point where they were, he was a championship defender, you know. And so Caruso, same idea. Like, yeah, he's limited. He's not he's not a great scorer. Uh, but what he does is super, super valuable, specifically to a team. And, and you know, Kurt Rambis is one of the advisors of, of Jeannie Buss. And he was that for that showtime era like they win a lot of those games because of uh, an unselfish player like kurt rambis who rebounded and set screens and just fought and was that utility guy he, those, those guys are valuable and they haven't had any continuity they only brought like three guys back was it since last year i mean continuity matters lebron is the only member of the lakers from lebron's first year with the lakers Right, you know, over four years, he is the only guy still there. That is a staggering amount of turnover. Sure, but I, but I think also, Eric, it reflects something that I know I've hit on a lot. Brian's hit on a lot in, in terms of an organizational ethos. When you were talking about the the lack of proper valuation for guys like Kuzma and KCP Caruso down the line, I don't think they really value anything like at, at its proper level beyond stars. I think they consider those guys interchangeable. I think they consider coaches interchangeable. And because of that, I think they don't have a real view of what they actually want. You know, I think it's part of the reason. I mean, I know some of this. Other than stars. Right. I mean, really. I, I mean, they've always been a star effort organization. I mean, this goes back to Dr. Buss. And, and that's fine. It, it has obviously worked out for them in a lot of respects. And every team wants stars. But I think the difference with the Lakers and most other teams around the league is the gap in value that they have with stars versus everybody else. And that starts getting into details in general. 
like you talk about in this piece, because the less you value those specific elements, the less you're going to pay attention to the actual details of it. Right. Well, to get to the point where you have that supporting cast, you need to mind every little detail and you have to do it wisely. And like, if, if you are, let, let's say the Lakers have an advantage being the Lakers as a brand. What if you also worked hard at the details? I mean, that was kind of the Kobe Bryant uh, philosophy of like, I was given all this talent as nothing, you know, that's just what I was given, but I'm also going to outwork you, right? And ironically, all these people that are they're still there, people. they're all Kobe. They all worship at the altar of Kobe and don't seem to have learned that one part of Kobe. Right. And Kobe look, I'm sure they're working guy. hard and, and putting in the hours. It's a lot of work to run a team. Sure. It's a lot, you know, and I don't think they, that I, I don't, I don't want to say that they're completely chaotic and have no idea what they're doing, they, but I just, I think ultimately their diligence around the little details, like it, Let's let's say that uh, Rich Paul, who represents THT, refused to do a three or a four year deal when he was drafted. Which, to uh, be clear, you think was a mistake by the organization not right. signing him to a three year deal as a well, rookie after drafting him in the second round. Right, because you're you're paying him now nine and a half when you should be paying him one point eight. And in the case of Terrence Mann, Daniel Gafford, their money doesn't kick in. They've both been extended. They're the success stories. Their money doesn't kick in until twenty three, twenty four. So it's not even next year that it kicks in because they signed four-year deals. The point is, is that um, like it, if had they given THT this longer deal, and let's say that Rich Paul said no, okay, fine. But you had the means to also pay Austin Reeves a three-year deal this year or four-year deal. Uh, they basically paid uh, none an extra. If they'd cut his salary by thirty-five thousand. Or if they had waited until maybe day two or three, I don't know, I have to look at the math, but like a week or two into the season, maybe even a month, they could have done Reeves at a different, you know, at a, at a, at a three. So essentially, deal. they've made the same mistake twice. That's with my THT yeah. so, and Austin. And, and I know, you know, Austin has a young age in Aaron Riley. He's really, really good. From my experience, you know, gotten to know him a little bit. And he, he doesn't have LeBron as a client, he doesn't have this huge roster of superstars. Uh, at, at yet, you know what I mean? But had they offered Aust Austin a three-year deal, yeah, they probably would have taken that. Take and that. they maybe they needed more money guaranteed to, to get a longer deal. So if the argument is, is well, Rich Paul wouldn't do it because well, well, well that's still not a good answer because it, you know the research that I was doing, I was I I, I tutor uh, students on on how to you know on the salary cap, and we were doing some research together, one of my students on second round picks, and we looked at the year. THT was drafted 31 through 50. Everyone signing three or four year deals, except for like Bull Bowl or something. Like it was a couple that didn't, but almost everybody signed these longer deals. Why aren't you doing the industry standard? There's a reason why it's the industry standard. Uh, instead, he went, he was an arenas rule free agent. That was dangerous. And we don't have to get into the details of that. But ultimately, he's also on a contract where he can opt out. He's got one more year after this year and then he can opt out. And so let's say the Lakers try to trade THT this summer for a first. Well, what team is going to give up a first? Because if he blows up, then he's going to be a free agent after the year. And then you get the privilege of negotiating with Rich Paul. And Rich's credit to him has a, a, a reputation of being a tough negotiator. And that's what you want if you're a player. 
But we're not talking about from the player point of view. We're talking about from the team point of view. From the team point of view, that's a challenge. So and the value of THT <laughs> on the second contract is diminished. And as it's well. also the worst of before we get to the break. It's also the worst of wo both worlds for the Lakers because THT didn't blow up this season. So right. you, you have the worst of all worlds right now. He didn't have the season that you wanted and the contract is not favorable yeah. for these Basically, there's there's a lot of uh, uh aside from that Mrs. Lincoln in in this season. <laughs> like he everything might have, about this. He might have performed out. better had he not gotten that contract because the pressures are different. There are you know, they're human beings and psychological. Sure. He's the fourth best He was not ready player. for this level of contract. Like he actually was, I mean, in term, he wasn't ready for the contract. He wasn't ready for what the contract represented with his role on the team. And I say this is somebody who thinks THD has a lot of potential. He was not ready for what was placed upon him by virtue of this deal and all of the, you know, like spider web ramifications that came from this deal. He really well, wasn't ready for it. And also signing or trading for Westbrook diminished THT's value because yep. they really can't play them together because neither can shoot and they both need the ball. You know, THT's an on-ball attacker. He's not a, a point guard, but he he's he's a talented player in the right situation. Mm -hmm. But he should be making 1.8 and if there wasn't Westbrook, you could then grow him and let him flourish in in to the best of his ability anyway. Um, all right, let's. We got one more segment with Eric Pincus of uh, Bleacher Report in the Sports Business Classroom. Um, I have questions about the structure of of the front office and sort of why these things uh, seem to be happening the way they do. So let's do that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Bet Online. It is that time of year again. We are just in the middle of college basketball's best tournaments. We are down to the final final teams so for all the latest odds contests and player props just making sure i'm saying what i'm allowed to say betonline.net <laughs> is, is the that number one over i don't even know <laughs> i'm not even saying i gave up when the one st peter's was gone no more peacocks Rah! i was I, uh, I was done i'm not even saying which tournament it specifically nope. is just the one with the peacocks sure in it. yes you, you do your own google research betonline.net is the number one source for all your sport betting needs and info betonline is the best spot for all your sports scores podcasts and news this season and it's not just basketball betonline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs including live betting and va favorite vegas casino games so head to the website today use your mobile device learn more about the trends in action bet online where the games start Eric, not everybody knows this, but peacocks are actually one of the biggest jerks in the bird world. They are unpleasant, mean animals. Um, and so... Uh, like Russell Westbrook after a press conference. <laughs> very Oof. similar. Like you could also picture a peacock uh, working its cell phone as being questioned uh, by the media. Uh, the Lakers are notoriously insular. Uh, they have uh, generally seen as a small infrastructure in terms of how they operate um, and all of that stuff. Is, is the construction, do you see the construction of the front office uh, and, and how it is, is populated as part of the reason this stuff happens? Uh, what role does, does the architecture play? I, it's, a, it's a good question. I don't know if I can give a definitive answer as to whether this can operate successfully or not. It is not uncommon for an owner, uh, the, really the position is the governor of the team, to have advisors that are outside of the the general manager structure the basketball operations structure uh and so linda rambis being that confidant uh to genie is not unique around the league and ne neither of them i think will claim 
to be basketball people because that's not their background. So they do rely on Kurt Rambis, who is obviously someone they trust and, and Linda's married to for a very long time and has experience as a coach, as a player, and as someone who's worked in front offices as well. So I get it. I don't know if it, it feels a little committee-ish to me. And, and I think um, probably if you hired a top GM, they would probably want to have a more direct relationship with Jeannie like and not that Sam Presti is available, but let, that was someone that LeBron mentioned recently as you know a great GM or whatever. If, if it was Presti, which I don't believe he's available, but if he was, I would think he would want to have a direct relationship with Jeannie and not have to. You know, but still, she might still rely on 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 Linda and whatnot. And, and she also there's some input from Magic Johnson still. There's some input from Phil Jackson okay. still. You're you're getting Eric exactly to. This is the point that I've made a lot over the years and you know, well before where we are now. It's not like taken in a vacuum, all of these different people that you mentioned would be fine. Like Linda Rambus has no specific basketball front office experience, but she's been around a professional basketball organization for a long time and has been respected in terms of just overall knowledge and someone that Jeannie trusts. So in a vacuum, her being in this position, I think would be like, Fine. I think Kurt Rambis in a vacuum, he would say, all right, I don't know if other teams around the league are beating down the doors to have him as part of their front office, but he is a basketball lifer. He has been part mm -hmm. of the NBA for a long time in a vacuum. Okay. Rob Palinka, never been a GM before, you know, seen by at least some people as difficult to deal with, obviously had a lot of juice by virtue of being Kobe's rep, but he wouldn't be the first former agent to get hired to run an organization. Fine. Magic Johnson. He's magic. Phil, you know, removing the context of he also quit on your team, but <laughs> he's magic. Phil Jackson. He's Phil Jackson. Like all of those things taken singularly, I don't think would be considered that strange or would make you raise your eyebrows. It's the collective and the singularity, specificity, and seemingly how exclusive it is that it is only these people. That's what I think makes people wonder, frankly, what the hell is going on in terms of who Jeannie ultimately decides to make her counsel. I think that's what makes it strange. Well, I think it's easier to, if you look at the decisions, you know, you look at what I wrote and, and you look at the track record, it's easier mm -hmm. to say it's not working because we we haven't seen great player evaluation. They have drafted really well, finding guys like Caruso and Reeves. <laughs> Is, the irony, is man. They're scouting. They don't value the idea of building young talent and really committing to that. They're great at spotting. They young drafted talent. Thomas Bryant. They drafted Zubots. They drafted a lot of people. Who's like, all the people heart? they traded they're for really, AD? Like they've drafted. Right. They're good at this. Yeah. yeah. Right. They have nobody's and, washed out. That that matters. <laughs> right. I mean, that's so you. You kind of look at the the there is quality basketball evaluation in the organization, but it doesn't feel like it's coming on high when it comes to non-draft or I guess G League level or undrafted level. Joey Buster, I think, is what respected for what he does. Uh Joey and Jesse are yes. Joey is the Joey runs the G League team, the yes. South Bay Lakers. Jesse is the assistant GM and is in charge of the draft process. So between the two of them, they've had a lot of success in those areas mm -hmm. um i don't know how much they're heard on the upper levels and so that's something that is unclear but uh i think uh you know it it, it is what what it is ultimately there but, but there's this like, collection of people 
Right. And they're making these decisions and we're looking at the, the track record and we're saying it doesn't really work because you're not diligent about the numbers. You're not diligent about the Caruso's, you know, so something isn't clicking with this. That's my combination is, is, you know, you could say I'm going to consult Phil Jackson because Phil Jackson knows a lot about basketball. I'm going to consult magic Johnson because magic Johnson knows a lot about basketball. I might disagree as are those the best people, but they know it's, they all do the same thing. Like, you know, Kurt Rambis knows a lot about basketball. Who is responsible for, and I don't necessarily expect you to answer this in a literal sense, but like who is responsible for tapping Rob on the shoulder and saying $32,000 less on that contract for Kendrick Nunn offers you way more flexibility with Austin Reeves or like putting those dots together because that kind of attention to detail is critically important as your story lays out. It's not just do we pick the right players, it's do we do the technical the boring stuff that lets us maximize all the stuff that that we want to do. Right. That, I mean, that the to me is the biggest question I have. Who's right? I mean, the boring stuff the is accountant? like <laughs> that. That's like that's like the boring stuff is what I do. Like I love doing that kind of detail. That's that's my focus. I I know as far as I know, like the people in upper upper management surrounding uh genie probably aren't salary cap experts and don't spend their time doing what i do and not not that they should you know what i'm saying you should have staff that does that and i that staff doing that is managed by rob and so ultimately i think he's the one who creates the menu of choices that they pick from and he gives his recommendation i think he gives like his job is to collect like what does lebron want what does the coach want you know what what is etc cetera, etc cetera, ad clutch who's available what do other teams want all the negotiations go through him it's not like you're gonna have genie negotiating with teams that's probably not, i mean there are times where an owner does get involved in a negotiation i know dr bus used to uh you know once in a while the kg almost came to the lakers because dr bus negotiated with glenn taylor uh, of the uh the wolves back in the day but ultimately yeah, didn't work Malibu. <laughs> right so you know the i there's if you're going to have a committee of three people, um, which is fine, I don't think as far as you know, Linda, uh, Jeannie, and Kurt, uh, then I think you need to make sure that that information coming to them is more complete and thorough. And so I don't know exactly where the blame lies, but clearly there's, there's some blame to be shared. Uh, last question I have for you, and it's forward-looking, and again, we cannot recommend enough. Laker fans should read this piece because it is really, really thorough, and there's there's a lot in there that I think is really measured and, and I think very fair in the way you went about doing this. Thanks. But looking forward, how confident are you about the viability of a LeBron AD core? Because I know this is something you and I, Eric, have talked about <laughs> over Twitter, and like the team is at something of a crossroads with this because of the sure. LeBron extension issue and i'm not asking you what you would do in their place and frankly i think we all know what they're going to do which is extend right. lebron and keep this thing going as long as they can whether you think it's for business reasons relevancy star effort talent blah 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 but how just in terms of viability how much do you think this can actually work as a foundation right i don't think they're going to go back to like the days of the lottery i don't think they have any interest in that um, so there's like the should and the would. You could certainly argue like they got what they got. Like, do you want to pay LeBron 
you know, 40 something, 50, near 50 million in that range to stay on for another two more years beyond next year. So three years total and just do the AD LeBron thing for as long as you can and try to figure out how to get out of Westbrook in a way that helps you. And if that means sacrificing like 2027 and 2029 first, which are first that come after those guys, you know, LeBron and AD, their contracts expire. It's, it's, it's a, there's an argument to be made to just say, you know, cut bait. You done. It's been good. Move on. See what you can get to, for AD. See what you can get for LeBron in trade because he's got one more year. He, is, he doesn't have a no trade or anything like that. Obviously, superstars dictate where they go, and they can make things very difficult for teams. And, and if you trade LeBron to a team that they're only going to get him for one year and he's clear he's not going to stay, then you're not going to get as much. But you, you can make the argument. But you know, from the point of view of the Lakers needing a headliner, I get I get it. Um, I think they'll keep him, and, and I don't know how much it matters what I think if they should or shouldn't. You know what I mean? Like, they're going to do sure. what they're going to do. It's, it's and not I, what I'm asking you anyway. I know, and I get that, like, most teams in this situation probably keep LeBron. Like, sure. out of 30, 28 probably do. Maybe there's one or two. Like, uh, Pat Riley might not because he's Pat Riley. Uh, you, there are some mm -hmm. GMs or whatever. You know, Walking away from LeBron is not right. an easy and, I recognize that. Because the, the alternative, it's hard to rebuild. You know, if you have what you have, even if what you have is imperfect, it's hard to rebuild. So, I mean, there's certainly a logic to it. Yeah, but I mean, they are in like, you know, 11th place right now, right? 10th place, yeah, 11th place. So it's like, you're not going to get much lower than that. I, so, I, I mean, have thoughts on with this. that attitude, you're not. <laughs> I, I, but you do have a headliner. So when LeBron still comes, you're still on, you know, when LeBron, LeBron plays, you're still on the networks. You're, you know, you're still getting the ratings. You're still... Drawing I think you can tell by, I mean, you know this anyway because we've discussed this, but listeners can tell by the tone and phrasing of my question, I have a lot of skepticism and concern about the viability and wisdom of this moving forward. But again, I can understand the other side of it. Right. It, I, the, there are ways like stretching out Russell Westbrook with a buyout doesn't hurt the team potentially as much as trading away 27 and 29 first. Like that is more damaging in my mind. You gain flexibility in year one this summer. If you stretch out Westbrook, you lose some flexibility in two and three, but it's more just tax. It's not like uh, they're going to have all this money that they could have had. It's we're, we're, if you assume yeah, you that made LeBron, that point. It's, they, they lose, they're not going to, it's not like they're going to have open. If they, assuming they extend LeBron, if you have LeBron and AD, you don't have cap space to, that's going to be eaten but, up like by they can get Russell to like, Westbrook's stretching. Like if what they might be able to get to certain numbers. Like if you cut everything down and trade THT, you can get to like below a max, but you can get to 20-ish million. Like they can get to some cap room, but like if you pair the team down to LeBron and AD and add one $20 million player, is that, mm -hmm. and then everybody else gets filled up more or less with the minimum. It's not like that's going to solve it either. So, you know, it, there's there's no great path forward by in part in part by their own doing right like by getting westbrook usually you want to like get a bunch of big contracts uh medium-sized contracts four 11s or you know three call it 15s that would be more valuable than one guy at 44 or creeping up to 47 this next year oh okay then um <laughs> so we're looking forward to having you back as we get towards uh the summertime eric because uh this is going to be an interesting one um, there's there's so much more that that we could ask. Um, definitely, with as Andy said, we'll tweet it out again. Would encourage people to read the story. Um, 
that that Eric has up at Bleacher Report about how the Lakers got here. Um, and also, again, Sports Business Classroom. Sign up today, and you too could learn how to run a an NBA franchise uh, and being taught by guys like Eric. Um, thanks so much, man. This was really fun. Always appreciate the, the time and, and the chance to, to break this stuff down. All right, anytime, guys. Appreciate you having me, definitely. All right, we'll see what happens Thursday night uh, as the Lakers take on the Jazz in Utah, likely without LeBron and AD. I think we can kind of guess. Uh, and uh, where the Lakers go from here in the play-in and all that stuff, and we'll see everybody on Friday. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.